0: Welcome to another life-impacting message from City Light Church, North Adelaide. You can find more great things like this at citylight.church slash North Adelaide. The first Bible reading is from Matthew 6 verses 5 to 13. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to your Father, who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. This is then how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name your kingdom come Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors and lead us not in temptation but deliver us from the evil one the second Bible reading is from Philippians chapter 4 verses 4 to 7. Rejoice in the Lord always I will say it again rejoice let your gentleness be evident to all the Lord is near do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus.
1: Amen. Uh, good morning, everyone. It's nice to see you. I'm Simon. Uh, people call me Jacko, uh, lead pastor here at City Light Church in North Adelaide. It's good to see you all this morning. It's good to be back uh, in person and uh, good to be able to sing even slightly muffled through our masks but I, I think it's yeah, it's great to be able to sing. I really love it. Um, as Catherine mentioned we are at week three of a series called Foundations, um, uh, Building a Faith That Will Last and uh, we're at week three. We um, Over the course of the last couple of weeks we looked at music or singing a couple of weeks ago and how that sort of edifies us, strengthens us, builds our faith, and unites us as a group of Christians. Um, also, last week we looked at the Bible, uh, thought together about how the Bible um, is the, the foundation upon which we do everything, uh, both as a community, as individuals. It, it, uh, it's the word of the living God. Uh, we do well to listen to God as he speaks to us through his word. And uh, yeah, today we come to week three Um, I would encourage you, if you have closed your Bible or shut down your device, to open it back up to Matthew chapter 6. That's where we're going to be for this morning, Matthew chapter 6. How about I pray as we come to God's Word. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for all the good things you give us. Father, we thank you and praise you this morning that many of us here in this room have good health. Uh, Father, we... Give you thanks for that in the midst of this pandemic in which we're in and particularly uh, we feel the the challenge to our health uh, given the states around us particularly New South Wales uh, so we pray for New South Wales we pray for Sydney as they uh, work hard to to fight against this virus uh, Father we also uh, give you thanks that we are in good health and able to gather here this morning And we pray, Father, that as we do gather this morning, we would hear Jesus. We pray that as we gather in the power of the Spirit, we would see Jesus. And we pray, Father, as we gather here this morning together in the power of the Spirit, through your word, we pray that we would love Jesus. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. Amen. I thought we could play, uh, to, to begin with, a word association game. Um, if you have no idea what a word association game is, this is how it works. I say a word, and then you yell out or with a loud voice exclaim what the like the first thing that comes to your mind. Okay, so that's what we play. I say a word, you go whatever whatever it happens to be. Everyone understand how it plays? Yeah, got the got the game. Right. All right, here we go. Here's the word. Are you ready to you know yell something out to me? I'm you know just let let just let loose. You know that sort of evangelical thing just chill out a bit feel like you can actually say something um here we go here's the word prayer that was well god yeah. right anything else jesus, jesus. great <laughs> nice and someone say bible There we go no paul, paul? No, paul. talk oh. talk. Paul. talk yeah good yeah good talk anything else lunch yeah right <laughs> nice <laughs> very good pray eating lunch yeah well yeah great praise yeah good yeah. petition yeah nice yep. anything else last takers come this is your moment just to let it all out that's it what's that tim keller, tim keller. yeah nice great book on prayer great book on prayer Very good. Well, there you go. We'll call it quits there. Um, Prayer, prayer. Prayer is something we, I don't know, we so often seem to struggle with, I reckon, if we can start there. Prayer is um, much more difficult, I reckon, than it actually seems. It seems easy, prayer, right? It should be. You don't need any special equipment or knowledge or location or anything. And yet, we very often just don't do it. We find other things to do when it comes to prayer. We feel like it's, I don't know, like the right time. We get distracted. For some of us, I know, this struggle with prayer is actually a deeply troubling thing in our lives. For others of us, it possibly should be. So today we come to prayer in our foundation series. We've uh, considered music. We've considered the Bible. Today we're looking at prayer. And we're actually going to look at a particular prayer, um, a form of words that was designed uh, to be repeated. Uh, For many people, maybe for many of you, this is a bit awkward. Um, There's something that makes people today feel a bit uncomfortable about a prayer that just follows a pattern or repeats sets of words. It can somehow feel like inauthentic or perhaps it's just not reflective enough of me as an individual. We're so conscious of how easily this kind of thing can just, will feel a bit like a hollow ritual. Wouldn't it be better if things were just a bit more spontaneous. The thing is though, it does seem that Jesus intended the prayer that he gave to his disciples, what we know as the Lord's Prayer, to be used, to be repeated. The disciples right if you you have a look at your bible if you're in matthew chapter 6 or um or in luke's gospel as well um one time the disciples they they come to jesus Uh, jesus had just finished praying Um, they like us the disciples struggled with prayer they wanted to know jesus secret right so they ask him lord teach us to pray And in response, Jesus doesn't just give his disciples a bunch of guidelines, he gives them an actual prayer for them to use. When you pray, say this, he says. In fact, we have the Lord's Prayer in two versions, one in Matthew's Gospel, one in Luke's Gospel, in which the exact words um, are slightly different. Doesn't change the fact that it's basically the same prayer. Although it does stop us from thinking that these are somehow magic words and if you get them exactly done, it'll work, right? It Kind of avoids that. So this morning, I want us to think it together about prayer and particularly the prayer that Jesus gave his disciples and us and how it might help us. It's actually really helpful, this prayer. I'm commenting on the Lord's Prayer in his book, Praying the Lord's Prayer, J.I. Packer says this, um, Joe Packer, great Christian theologian, writer, thinker, preacher who's now gone to be with the Lord. He said, The Lord's Prayer in particular is a marvel of compression and full of meaning. It is a compendium of the gospel, a body of divinity, a rule of purpose as well as petition and thus a key to the whole business of living. What it means to be a Christian is nowhere clearer than here. Knowing the Lord's Prayer is a solid foundation for a faith that will last. Let me show you. Firstly, this morning, uh, I don't know if you're a note taker, firstly this morning we're going to think about um, the prayer itself and what it teaches us. And second, we're then going to think about why Jesus might have given us this teaching in the form that he did. That is, why he gave us a prayer to use, not just, you know, for example, a whole bunch of guidelines on what we should do when we pray. So firstly, thing, let's have a look at the Lord's Prayer itself. What does it teach us about how we should pray? Um, and we're going to notice three things. And as we go, I'll, I'll work mainly from Matthew's version um, of the Lord's Prayer, um, which is probably the one that's been most commonly used in church history, if you're you know, interested in that. Here's the first thing. The Lord's Prayer teaches us the basis upon which we may go to God. The basis on which we may pray to God. Um, our Father in heaven is how it begins. Or in Luke, it's just Father. We pray to God as Father, and we may pray because He is our Father. This is an amazing thing, and we mustn't miss it. It's not at all a common way, actually, of speaking of God in the Old Testament. Uh, It's there, but it's not common at all because, of course, uh, to call God the Father is an incredibly intimate thing to do. Um, What right do we have to address God with such boldness and intimacy? Well, actually, on our own, we have no right. We've got no right to God's attention, to his fatherly love and his care because on our own, we stand before him as sinners before a holy God. But of course, and this is part of the point of the Lord's Prayer, we don't stand on our own, we stand with Jesus. Jesus, the one and only true Son of God the Father, the only one who truly has the right to address God in that way. Jesus has given all those who believe in him the right to become children of God, to be adopted into his family alongside him as brothers and sisters. Through Jesus' death to take away our sins and through his resurrection to new life, Jesus allows us to share by faith in his own relationship with God the Father. And so in prayer, we approach God not as like fearful, trembling slaves, but as beloved children coming to their father. We can pray like this only because of God's grace and his mercy. But because of God's mercy and grace to us in the Lord Jesus Christ, this is how we really can pray. And one further comment here, notice that we pray to God as our Father, not just my Father. God is never interested in me alone. He's interested in me, but he's actually really interested in others. The Lord's Prayer teaches us to pray as part of a community family second thing to notice the Lord's Prayer teaches us to ask for what truly matters for what truly matters Uh, in Matthew's version the first three things we're taught to pray for to ask for are these hallowed be your name your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven now there are, I bet, not, they're not the first things we think to pray for, right, if we we're on our own. I mean, if I speak personally, they're probably not the things that jump to my mind when I go to pray. Because we forget that the world does not in fact revolve around us. The world doesn't revolve around me. The world revolves around God. And that what matters most is not our honour, but his honour. What matters most is his kingdom, not mine. Not our purposes, but his. When we pray that God's name might be hallowed, right? We're praying that God would be glorified, that the whole of creation would recognize who he is and worship him as he deserves, that God would be revered and respected and honored. And this is not a prayer to pray lightly. It reminds us that there is only one true Lord and that everyone ought to worship him and that it's a catastrophe, a dark kind of stain on our creation that our family and friends and neighbors and colleagues don't do that. And so Jesus also tells us to pray for God's kingdom and in Matthew's gospel for the doing of God's will on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus tells us to pray for God's kingdom. And for God's will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. And this again is a prayer that most of the time we really we probably really don't want to pray if we're honest about it. Because it's, it's, of course, it's a prayer, right? For God to act and for God to change things here. It's, It's a prayer for him to reveal his son Jesus as the king of glory, and to bring an end to sin and evil. Sometimes when things are not going well for us, right, or when we're hurting, perhaps we feel the goodness of this prayer and we're drawn to this idea. God, please bring your kingdom now because things are not going very well. I mean, I don't know if you're like me, but in the times of various times in this pandemic, I've gone, can we just like press end to this age and get the next one started? Like, because it's, it's not great. But often to pray a prayer like this is deeply confronting because to pray this, we are are forced out of our contentment with how things are in the here and now. It's to ask for life as it now stands to pass away, to be overcome by God's kingdom. To pray this prayer is to learn to want something more than life in the here and now, even at its best. You know, it's to to refuse to be mesmerized by this present world and all that it offers, its enjoyment and satisfaction, to recognize that truly the best is yet to come and that would be great if it could come now. The Lord's Prayer teaches us to lift our eyes and to ask first, however much of a wrench it may be to do it, for what truly matters, for the glory of God and for the coming of his kingdom. The third thing to notice about this prayer is that it teaches us to pray for what we really need. We pray for three things for ourselves in this prayer, bread, forgiveness, and deliverance. Give us this day our daily bread, forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Bread, forgiveness, and deliverance. Now, if you were writing this prayer, if I was writing this prayer, I wonder what you have put in here at this point. What would you have put in? certainly more than bread i reckon i want you to turn to the person next to you and i'll give you about 48 seconds for this um turn to the person next to you what would you have put in here at this point if you were writing this prayer Uh, when we think about prayers for ourselves okay i'll give you 48 seconds go turn to the person next to you what would you put in at this point in this prayer go all right come back together You're um, you're writing this prayer. Um, it, you've come to the section where it's about you know things you want for yourselves. What are you gonna What are you gonna put in? Any anyone bold enough again to say what they might put in? Vegetables. Vegetables. <laughs> yeah, nice. Bread and veg. Yeah, yeah, nice. Anything else? Wisdom. Wisdom. Yeah. Yeah, nice. Safety and comfort. Safety and comfort. Yeah. Very nice. Patience. Patience, yes, yes, always on my list. Yeah, it's good. It's good. Lots of things you could put in there. Um, you know, I down here, maybe yeah, maybe security. I'm with you. Is he like you know, safety, security uh, would be maybe a good starting point. Um, and maybe I'm with you again. Is he? Um, the freedom to kind of keep enjoying the prosperity that we do at the moment, that sort of comfort, that sense of things are going, okay, I think, you know, you kind of think, you know, patience and wisdom and all sorts of stuff, you know, are they not fair things to ask for? But this is not a prayer actually that Jesus, you know, shares with us, it's not a prayer for for bonds and for boats and for cream cheese bagels, which I think would be better than bread, but anyway, Jesus just says bread. He says, pray for the things we need to live. We're asking God simply to sustain us, to keep us going. And then he quickly moves on from our material concerns to other things we need. We ask first, did you notice that, for forgiveness of our debts, forgiveness of our sins. It's a great reminder. It's a great reminder, I think, that we never come to God as people who have moved past needing his grace and his mercy. It's so easy to forget that. I forget that all the time. It's so easy to start feeling, you know, kind of good about yourself, especially if you're blessed with a good job and we're doing well or or friends and family who just keep telling you day after day after day how wonderful you are. But Jesus says we must always pray for forgiveness. And it's not just a weak, shallow forgiveness we need either, a a forgiveness that's just kind of an idea or a theory or a, a nice story that we kind of tell ourselves. No, the forgiveness we need to pray for is the forgiveness that actually changes the way we live, that transforms our lives. As we also have forgiven our debtors, those who sin against us. Those are, those are very scary words, right, if you listen to them. Because they remind us, right, that the forgiveness we need from God is as real, is as tortured, is as gritty, is as radical as the forgiveness that we are called to offer to other people. This part of the Lord's prayer, right, makes it absolutely impossible to pray this prayer properly and it just be some sort of religious exercise or ritual that you go through. We're praying that our sins would be forgiven and the result of our sins being forgiven is that it would transform us such that we would then forgive others who've sinned against us. It's not just a prayer on a wall or a ritual or an exercise to go through. This is to transform us what we really need this prayer teaches is the kind of real shocking forgiveness from God that makes us forgive others and also deliverance this is probably the weirdest bit for us but it's really important we're taught that as much in fact more than our need for daily bread and all the other things that preoccupy our hearts and minds, what we really need is to be saved from the powers of evil. What this prayer reminds us, you see, is that the greatest threat to us, the greatest risk we face each day is sin and being overcome by evil. We're called to pray to be spared from temptation and delivered from the snares of the evil one. I mean, the question I want to ask myself and you guys today is, do you feel this way about sin and evil? Do you have this kind of awareness of the danger of sin and evil in your life? I think very often we have a much more kind of cavalier attitude to sin. We don't flee temptation, we flirt with it. We trust that we'll be able to handle it and, and stop ourselves from going too far. We flood our eyes with images of sex and violence. We fill our ears with words of cruelty and lewdness and darkness and then flatter ourselves by saying, oh, I'm engaging with the world. Jesus teaches us to ask to lead us into temptation and deliver us from evil. this is what Jesus tells the disciples to pray for and there's a lot to think about we could keep thinking about it for the rest of the day but we won't but on top of this I think we should pause and reflect just for a moment on the other question I posed right at the beginning which is this why does Jesus teach us these things in the form that he does that is by giving us a prayer to use You know why? Why does he give us a prayer to use? Why does he teach his original disciples a prayer to use, and by extension, you and me, living two thousand years later, rather than just say, "Here's a bunch of instructions about what you should do with prayer," like this, right? Well, first off, I want you to think about the location in which you're going to pray, and I want you to think about that. You, I want you to make sure that you're you're comfortable, but not too comfortable, so that you might fall asleep while you're praying, Uh, and. Why don't you start with some time of praising God, do that for, I don't know, three or four minutes, and then move on to confession for a few minutes, thanksgiving, and then ask for some things. He doesn't do that. In other places, Jesus does give instructions. In other parts of the New Testament, we do have instructions about prayer. Maybe that's what the disciples expected when they said to Jesus, Lord, teach us to pray. They thought, Jesus might give us some guidelines. So why does he hear give an actual prayer for them to use and to practice rather than guidelines. Do you know what? I'm not really sure. But I've got a hunch. I've got a hunch. My hunch is this. You can't learn to pray just by learning the theory. You have to learn by doing it. Prayer, that is something that's learned by practice, a skill you only learn by doing it. Like learning a skill with your hands, such as, I don't know, learning to play a musical instrument or learning how to knit. Um, you can know the theory, but you learn how to do it by doing it. It's something that comes by practice and by apprenticeship over time. It's a craft, a, a know-how, how you learn by practicing under the direction like of a tutor. There's lots of things, right, where it's easy to know the theory of how to do something and still be a long way away from actually being able to do it. We all probably know examples of this like from the work that we do. It's one thing to know what to do. It's another thing to be able to actually do the job. Um, a friend of mine who I went to Bible college with, um, he, he worked at a place in Sydney called Campo's Coffee, um, I don't know if you know Campos. Um, we, the beans get sold around the place. Um, Campos is like a famous coffee shop in um, uh, Newtown in Sydney. Um, it's like the place to go. It's just like when I was there, it was like this little nook in the wall. And like I don't know how many coffees they sold there each day, but it was just so incredibly popular. Um, you know, to the point where they, you know, like they were so fastidious about their coffee that they would not sell any kind of cooked products. They wouldn't toast sandwiches because it would impact the flavour of the coffee. So you only could, you know, get cakes that were made 15 years earlier. So there's no smell. No, but you know, like it was just they were just they were so particular about their coffee wherever they sold the coffee. You know, the barista, you know, like it, they were just so meticulous. You get the picture. So my friend got a job as a barista at this place called Campos, roasting coffee, making coffee. When he arrived there, he proudly turned up with his, you know, with his um, certificate, barista certificate in his hand. You know, I can make coffee. He'd done a two-hour course, and he said, I know how to make coffee, I'm all over it. But of course he didn't at all, right? He knew the theory, but he hadn't learnt it in his muscles and his bones. When he was there, apprentice baristas spend the first six months there steaming milk only for takeaways before they're allowed to move on to the shots. Because really knowing how to do it wasn't knowing about the theory. Theory takes about two minutes to explain. It was about getting it into your hands and your bones and your muscles. I think Jesus knew that prayer was like this, you learn to pray by doing your apprenticeship and by getting the, the movements in your body, so to speak. And so he gave his disciples a way to kind of get going. Of course, the great danger with skills learnt like this is to develop bad habits. If you're learning an instrument and you get bad tuition and just keep plugging and plugging and plugging away, I don't know, with bad posture or your mouth's in the wrong spot or your wrong breathing, then the habits you learn get harder and harder and harder to break. I remember when I was younger, I learned to play an instrument. I changed tutors after two years. I had to go back to square one because I'd been playing it all the wrong way. Never picked it up again, no. But um, that's why the Lord's Prayer is so helpful because this prayer can function as a standard, a pattern of prayer that teaches us the right habits. It's as if Jesus shows us an exercise and says, Start by doing this. Gives us a pattern to work with that will set us on the right track, a model that will help us develop the right rhythms. So the Lord's Prayer is not a lecture on how to pray, it's an apprenticeship. A way to learn, to help for us to learn to pray right practices, to build right habits, to develop the right patterns of movement, the right skills. One of my hopes as I thought about this over the last week was I hope this might give some of us, maybe all of us, if I can be bold, like a new enthusiasm for the practice of saying the Lord's Prayer. But before we get there, let me just point out one more thing which is that what Jesus is teaching his disciples in this prayer is far more than just simply how to pray. He's teaching his disciples how to live. He's teaching his disciples how to live. Because of course, as we've already seen, what this prayer shapes is not just your prayers, but your whole attitude towards life, your whole outlook and approach to the world around you. As we pray the Lord's Prayer, right, we learn much more than just how to pray. We learn who we are. We learn that we are God's children in Christ, debtors before God, yet beloved and redeemed through the blood of Jesus. We learn where we are. We learn that we stand alongside others in a community that matters and amongst people we are called to love and to forgive. And most of all, we learn what time it is that we live in anticipation of Christ's return and the fullness of God's kingdom. And that the time we have now is filled with challenge and opportunity and demands our attention. And I think it's for this reason, right, that in Matthew's gospel, at least, the Lord's prayer stands at the very centre of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount his most famous teaching about discipleship, right at the middle. Because the Lord's Prayer is an apprenticeship not just about prayer, but it's an apprenticeship about life in living by the Spirit in this world in light of the kingdom to come. This prayer is right at the heart of Christian discipleship, of learning to live in the way the Master has taught us. So in conclusion, can I invite you to take out this prayer and use it? There are perfectly good reasons, brothers and sisters, to be anxious about set prayers and religious rituals. Absolutely. But we should not throw out this prayer. If I can speak personally, I spoke a bit last week about this, about my conversion, my coming to know Jesus. I grew up in a in a Roman Catholic family, uh, religiously went to church every single Sunday. I got dressed up, just like, you know, I'm getting dressed up now. No, I got dressed up every Sunday. And I remember, I went to a, I went to a Catholic school, and I just remember the, the Lord's Prayer, among other prayers, being sort of drummed into me. And I remember them because of those times. And I remember, I, you know, I, remember, I said this last week, I went from. Um, going to church desperately wanting to get out of church um, and then met the Lord Jesus Christ and then kind of came back to church and I felt like praying some of these prayers was like a not a nightmare right but it was just like oh my gosh it's just taking me back into these old days and I don't want to do that and it's probably taken me I've been a Christian for over 20 years now it's taken me a long time to kind of get over that but I I was one of those people in danger of like of just jettisoning this prayer altogether like it's just I've got bad memories not going to pray it but I I want to say this morning I've come to realize that this prayer is a gift to us it's not magic of course you know simply by praying these words magic stuff doesn't just happen it'll only do us good if we mean what we say but it is a gift And we must not let our anxieties about authenticity and individuality and maybe past experience stop us. There is, of course, a place in the spiritual life for individuality, right? God made us different and he loves that. But there is a lot of commonality in our Christian lives. Those God foreknew, says Paul in the book of Romans, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his son, conformed. To be a Christian is to become more like Jesus and that's the same for all of us. That doesn't mean we all end up being the same in every way but we are growing in many common ways. If we're not interested in being like Jesus, then we're not really interested in being Christians. And I do want to urge us as a lead pastor here to take up this prayer and use it. We've used it in church gatherings occasionally here and we will continue to do so, maybe more so. But I want to urge you to use it yourself. For it's a tool Jesus has given us to practice our discipleship to build and shape our prayers and our lives in the way that he has shown us. And so I want to con- I want to conclude with a challenge that in our age where we idolize authenticity, we idolize individuality, we idolize spontaneity seems to be deeply countercultural, all right? You're about to hear me say something deeply countercultural, all right? Prepare yourselves. The challenge is this: make a commitment to pray the Lord's Prayer every day for the rest of 2021 and if that works out okay every day for the rest of your life can you do that why not why not build this habit into your life so that it molds you and shapes you you'll have to work of course right I'll, i'm keen to do this we'll have to work at not letting saying this prayer become kind of stale and boring and dry to keep you know making it a prayer not just simply an exercise we go through but it's it's not impossible there'll be days where i'll forget you'll miss we'll not do it that's okay but why not make it your ambition being a christian is always and only ever about being an apprentice a disciple why not let jesus prayer his lord's prayer mold your prayer mold your heart deeply and richly I bet there's nothing more simple that we can do that will have such a profound effect on our spiritual lives Lord Jesus teach us to pray should we pray let's pray together Heavenly Father we, uh, we thank you and praise you this morning for your word Um, we thank you for the the prayer that Jesus left with us. We we thank you for what it teaches us about who we are. We thank you, Father, that you are our Father, not because we have any right to claim you as our Father, but because we are in Jesus. And so, Father, we thank you and praise you for the Lord Jesus this morning. Uh, Father, that scandalously we can call you our father we pray father that your name would be glorified honored revered in this city in this country in this world and father we pray that your kingdom would come that your will be done on earth as it is in heaven and father do give us all the things that we need particularly father give us bread And Father, help us to be men and women who so know the radicalness of the forgiveness we've received through Jesus, that by your Spirit we would display that same forgiveness among one another here at City Light Church North Adelaide and beyond and father lead us on in temptation father we we long for the day when the lord jesus returns and there is no more sin no more evil father do help us to set our minds on things above and father deliver us we pray from the evil one and so father help us uh, to take the words that jesus has given us and use them in our daily lives not as some exercise or empty hollow ritual But do enable us, Father, to to pray and change us to be more like Jesus in whose name we pray. Amen.
0: Thank you for listening to audio from City Light Church, North Adelaide. We hope you found it helpful and we'd love for you to share this message with others. For more great content, more information about City Light Church or to donate to the work of City Light Church, North Adelaide, visit us at citylight.church/northadelaide.